0: Welcome to the latest episode of Your Wealth with Gemma Dale, a podcast series designed to help you create, grow and protect your wealth.
1: Hi and welcome to Your Wealth. I'm Gemma Dale, Trades Director of SMSF and Investor Behaviour. I'm really excited about today's topic. If you've been fortunate or wise enough to attend the ASX's recent Investor Days across the country, you'll have seen a panel session I was hosting where professional fund managers talked about where they're finding value in today's market. Probably the most memorable part of that presentation was a balloon analogy delivered by today's guest, Julian McCormack of Platinum Funds Management. Julian is an investment specialist with Platinum, which is one of Australia's most popular international share funds. Julian, thanks so much for joining me.
0: Thanks very much for having me.
1: So, Julian, let's start with the balloon analogy. It's a little bit harder to do uh, from an audio perspective you don't quite have the visual but give it a go
0: yeah I'll mime it <laughs> So if one imagines um, a balloon popping so so imagine that I, I am holding a balloon uh, very fully inflated and, and and poke that with a pencil uh, it might seem to you that the pencils popped the balloon but that's a pretty incomplete understanding of the situation because you know if I get another pencil, Uh, Exactly the same sharpness, and another balloon, which is of exactly the same make, but I only inflate it one third as much, and poke that balloon, it it won't pop. So, so the state of a system is very, very important. That's what the balloon is representing, and the pencil here, and uh, you know, the analog pencil here that we've got, what that's seeking to convey is the obsession that people have with catalysts. So, so, so as if there's some sort of crystal ball that they'll know the particular thing that comes along that pops, that pops a balloon, when the most knowable thing is the state of the system. Right? So, so if we know a balloon is very highly inflated, then we know we might have problems regardless of what the catalyst might be for, for that balloon you know, uh, popping or deflating gradually or wh- whatever, the, whatever the path forward for that uh, particular balloon is. We know if it's very fully inflated we kind of know what the outcome is we just don't know what's going to make it get there
1: i think the point you make is excellent and the fact that you were so uh explicit even by way of analogy at the beginning of your presentation i think shocked people right to be saying to thousands of people at this roadshow we believe there is a bubble it was a balloon but you know a bubble that, that is in existence and it will pop and please stop worrying about the bloody pencil it will pop." You know, and for many people in the room, we know that people are concerned about valuations for many things. A lot of investors say to me all mm-hmm. the time, "I'm really, I'm really struggling to find value in this market." Yeah. And you're saying, "Yeah, you should be worried about value in this market, but only in particular areas." So, can you talk to me about that? Where you're seeing the overinflatedness, and where you're less concerned?
0: Yeah, look, I don't, I don't think it'll be hugely surprising, but. Um, uh, I think people have talked themselves into the reality or the deservedness of valuations out there. So, so, you know, software as a service is just extraordinarily overvalued. I I don't know if there's ever been any sector, any segment ever that's been as overvalued in terms of unprofitable businesses. Uh, Well, no. I mean, at least you can live in a bloody thing, Mm. you know, right for for a while, and it's existed for more than two minutes.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Is the other part Mm -hmm. so? But there's a whole bunch of um, 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 equity assets out there that are very, very expensive, and they they roughly lump into two categories. The the most egregious is anything that one can convince oneself is on a secular growth path. So it doesn't have to be software. You know, Netflix is not really a software business. Uh, We think that's very expensive. It's a wonderful business. Reed Hastings is a great guy. They've you know, reinvented entertainment, et cetera, et cetera. I would have told you the same story about railway stocks in eighteen seventy. Mm. I would have told you the same stocks about radio stocks in nineteen twenty-five. I would have told you the same um, story about IBM and EDS in nineteen sixty-six. I would have told you the same thing about Pets.com in nineteen ninety-nine, and they're all disastrous. You know, disastrous. So, so what's more interesting actually is is many professional investors don't think that this is abnormal because it's been a very gradual and very abnormal context in which this stuff has happened. So, you know, when we talk to sort of institutional investors, they're they're equally sort of surprised by some of this stuff. And there seems to be a bit of a sense that, well, but it's okay because, you know, the, the world's kind of abnormal and it is the new normal. well it's
1: the new normal we love it well new, no new normal. i
0: i prefer deeply abnormal um, <laughs> because it is so you so, you know i mean let's just think of the sort of insanity of the context we're operating in um, i can't tell you day to day what tariff is going to apply to what good globally and i can't tell you in which country that will apply so so if we're seeking to allocate capital You know that's going to need a payback period. It's a pretty serious lump of dough because we're going to build, you know, you know, serious manufacturing capacity that needs a payback of five to eight years, which is about right. Um, How the hell do we do that? Mm. Well, the answer is we don't. We're not. So if you look at all the everything from you know the robotics guys, machine tools guys, ball bearings guys, all 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 the sort of you know early cycle industrial um, investment businesses globally, they're all getting walloped and and they deserve to be and so people are getting herded into things as if they're safe Mm -hmm. and that's why the secular growth stuff is so pervasive because i i can tell myself that it does not matter what german industrial production is going to do next month as long as netflix grows its subscribers and i can be relatively assured that it will so therefore i can herd into that with the thought that it's safe but this is a business that loses three to four billion dollars a year. Sorry, invests it. (laughs) Right, so we need external financing to Mm. make product. Much of our product catalog is disappearing because competition's heating up. Um, It's felt awesome to provide wonderful content to people using other people's money for years.
1: I mean, as a consumer, I'm thrilled about it. Yes. Right, but of mm. course you
0: should be because mm. you're getting subsidised. Mm. Like you are getting subsidised. Your, your viewing habits are getting subsidised by principally equity. Well my
1: husband, if I'm honest with you. Well, and my kids. well there you go. Yes.
0: Someone's, someone's getting a freebie. Mm. And you're getting that on the dime of bond and equity investors mm. and the staff who work there as mm. well um, because they're, they're all richly remunerated in script. That's an externally funded business that just doesn't make money. Now, maybe that's awesome. And, and look, by the way, we have pretty active debates on this internally um, with some of our guys thinking, you know, this could be an incredible, you know, incredible asset. And it could be. I'm not saying it's if not. If they
1: work out how to make money.
0: If they work out how to make money. If, and the other thing, too, is there is every likelihood that anyone who's clever enough to, to, to you know, know how to do it, they might pick the Amazon of 2000. Yeah right, which I'm sort of vaguely remembering these numbers, but, you know, got into the hundreds or something and then fell, I don't know, 85%. Um, by the time we've got to, you know, nearly 2,000 now, in terms of dollars per share, you've done pretty well. And and not just, you know, not just this, you know, what I love in markets is people give you the start point and the end point, but they kind of forget the <laughs> years in between. That, yeah. That's actually, e- even that is a pretty good internal rate of return. So... If you get that one, that's fine. Mm. That's great. Um, the chances are you won't.
1: Right?
0: Mm. The chances are you won't. And if you hold a portfolio of them, the chances of all of them doing well are vanishingly close to zero. Because yeah. they will be the you know, the look smart, the cas computing, the volante, the Melbourne IT of the era, and none of those businesses exist. So
1: many and they're all darlings. They have no idea who you're so, exactly. all of those what things, exactly, yeah.
0: that's my point. All of those things were darlings of you know 20 years ago, yeah. And 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 so people who are young enough to have avoided that, I envy,
1: <laughs> um, but
0: also there's a real lesson in that. And and look, that I don't want to be too limited to a particular event in history as if that's. Going to be directly analogous. It's not. Much more important is the notion that these things happen all the time. You know, if you if you look through the history of, you know, sort of about 200 years of of organised markets, these things happen all the time. It's it's not rare at all.
1: Bubbles.
0: Bubbles. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, you get um, excessive lending or provision of capital in some way. It's both equity and debt in in this mm-hmm. case. Um, It's been encouraged by incredibly low interest rates and sort of, you know, a a somewhat desperate and and maniacal monetary experiment for 10 years. And people think it hasn't resulted in excess. I mean, it's been the most extraordinary period, and the excess is correspondingly extraordinary. So, you, you know... Some of the st- stuff I'm thinking of as I say this is, is a, there's a book out by a guy called Richard Vague. It's called um, A Brief History of Doom. People yeah. should read it. It's really good. Sounds
1: cheery. Yeah, it's really <laughs> cheery. <laughs> or go and
0: read Ray Dalio. So you'll have to buy mm. that one. Or go and read Ray Dalio's um, Principles for Navigating Big Debt Crises. That's mm. free. You can download that. It's, 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 it just it's,
1: gives it to you in PDF online. Yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's
0: great. And that that's a bit more policy prescriptive as opposed to the Richard Vague book, which is just this is what happens when you add you know, something like 20% of debt to GDP to any sector uh, over about five years. And we've done something like that, but very gradually. And, th- and this is the weird thing about this episode is it's been gradual until now, almost because of the fear that's pervasive, right? So, so back to those names I mentioned before, from the late '90s, when when you mentioned those to people, a bit like Bitcoin now, perhaps, mm. um, p- people would respond with with joy and greed and, and, and your lust for profit. It, it, it's not like that now. You know, it's getting. There are some some bits of evidence about that that maybe we we might be approaching that. Um, I I don't know if we want to talk about individual stocks, but... um. (laughs) Oh, we
1: will. We definitely will. I do want you... It's going to be really hard to uh, perhaps explain one of the slides that you had up, though, that I think was just unbelievably telling, and it, it certainly... Resonated with everyone who was there was the divergence in valuation between growth and value stocks. So probably step one, explain the difference between growth and value stocks. And then secondly, what's happening and, and effectively what will people are willing to pay for those two things and how far apart that is right now.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's... a it's great
1: chart, but unfortunately, charts and all that flash it, on a podcast. No, they're not that great <laughs> on a podcast
0: and, and also with a slightly longer format discussion. It, it is worth saying all of those things... Are, are, they're not predictive, and, and no. so you can go from incredibly expensive to in, incredibly expensive.
1: Oh yeah, um, I'm, I'm regularly wrong about these things. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, so, but, but the 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 point to emphasise to people is for everything that is incredibly expensive out there, there is something that is correspondingly incredibly cheap. So, so we're buying things that are as cheap as they've ever been in their history. Some of these things you know, like a, a, a BMW or a Glencore or a Samsung. I mean, they've been around for decades or indeed, you know, over a century. Um, it's probably and important to
1: note you were talking about buying BMW the company rather than rushing out and buying the car.
0: Yeah, the cars aren't cheap. <laughs> I would not want to pretend otherwise, but, um, but the, the stocks are ridiculously cheap. So, so when I say that, um, you know, we, we own things in the portfolio that are on um, three and four PEs, so if we invert that and get a, a you know an earnings yield, mm. it's giving us as equity holders, you know, twenty five and thirty three percent to hold it mm. in some form. Won't pay it all out as a dividend. Some of them do, by mm. the way. So I'm thinking of a little stock we own called Warrior Met Coal that is paying us twenty five percent a year in cash to hold it. Now it's a met coal business. Maybe we're peak of cycle. You know, we've got our own views on that. But um, th- that's incredible. Mm. That's incredible. Um, if you step down and look at a stock like BMW, which is on about seven times this year's earnings, that's actually on f- about five times peak earnings. So if we get back to you know a couple of years ago, just 18 months ago, that's going to be giving us as an equity holder some function of 20%. Much of that will go back into the business. Business needs some capital. It's, it's, it's not a software company, <laughs> um, but we're getting a dividend of five and a half percent that's three times covered at the current valuation. Mm. So current, if, if we're, we encourage people to think about a multiple as a yield, mm. just, just to make everything a percentage, right? So, mm. so, you know, there's this sort of dumb obsession with PEs as if there's any truth to them, there's not. So if you invert seven, you get what, 14? So mm. that's that's what we get. Like mm. we, and the other thing too is we get it. You know, that, that mm. the management will steal some, you know, the unions mm. will take some, mm. the regulators will get it their bid or whatever. But we do get the net profit after tax. You know, we, we, we get share. some function of it. Mm. It won't come to us all as a dividend, but if it's getting reinvested by people who we can vaguely trust, mm. we'll get it and it'll compound over time. Mm. So, you know, that's that's not terrible. Now, the reverse of that is incredibly expensive. You know, so so things that are either stable or steadily growing are incredibly expensive. So so my my favorite, and I haven't checked it in the last twenty four hours because my obsession has waned a little bit. But you know, <laughs> probably thirty six at trading hours ago, beyond meat a Oh, Beyond Meat. Right. Yes. We have ca- a
1: vegan in our team, and he's obsessed with being a vegan, tells everybody about Beyond Meat all the time. I what? pointed out that Adolf Hitler was a vegan, <laughs> so they don't They don't have a franchise. <laughs> yeah. No on. one's got a monopoly no on their chip. <laughs> That's exactly what no, I was trying to say. No. You, uh, you don't get to claim the moral high You're ground as to, a vegan. Okay, great. I thought you were trying
0: to say Adolf Hitler was okay.
1: <laughs> no. no. Okay, you great. were the one who brought up BMW. So, you know. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, point being... Uh, beyond me. Yeah. Had um, a, had beyond a, expensive. Well, it's just incredible, right? So, so this thing has a market capitalization of $9 billion mm. for sales, not profit, for sales of $200 million. Mm. I mean, maybe. They haven't sold the patties yet. There's all these stories of... So
1: have, they, have they actually sold anything yet? Like, is it in the public domain? They have
0: something like it? a market capitalization of 1300 US dollars per patty ever sold. I mean, it's just. I mean, that, that obviously goes down over time because we sell yeah. more every week or whatever. But the market cap keeps okay. going up. So, yeah. um, but but so, mate, this is just extraordinary behaviour. As if mm. as if you know, macerated pea protein plus some um, coconut oil plus some That's beetroot strong. juice to bleed. Mm. That is not impossible to crack. <laughs> right? That 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 is not like the world's. You know, m- most difficult conundrum, and there are some pretty big operators in the space, right? So, so the idea that these guys are going to have some competitive advantage that lets them get somewhere with this mm. uh, it, it is pretty farcical. Mm. So, so, so that's on forty-five times sales,
1: mm.
0: but to be to be, you know, frank, th- that's not that extraordinary. I mean, there's just all of this listening litany of things. Many will be well known to your listeners, but but you know, th- things like Tesla. Or Afterpay, um, um, or Uber, or I mean, th- these are businesses that are competing in spaces where they've never made a profit mm. and are given this these, these monumental market capitalizations
1: well, and indeed we'll often use about debt. It and said, We may never make one. we may never make one, just so we're clear, it, may never make it. Exactly, mm. exactly. Probably never will.
0: Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. But the reason that things can get to that level of excess is because they definitionally feel awesome. Mm-hmm. That, that's what is so pernicious about this. The reason people can own an Uber is because they will feel, mm-hmm. but they will translate that into knowledge mm-hmm. that this is the disruptor, and it's going to end up in this amazing future, and the future is going to look like this, and blah, blah, blah. That's all imaginary. It's all imaginary. It, it, you know, when you model a business every number from now henceforth is imaginary you're making it up <laughs> so so Not when you so, well n- people <laughs> so, so so when we don't know so so ride sharing is a wonderful example of mm. what i'm trying to get through to people there's a hundred billion ish of market capitalization in this industry so uber's 50 or 60 lyft and Ola, and um, oh, there's a couple i'm forgetting in 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 asia and southeast asia um, these things Capped at a hundred million uh, billion. Mm. They've never. They, they're competing in a field that has never made a profit as an industry. Mm. But let's think through who we can perhaps take the margin off. Or mm. well, the drivers don't make anything.
1: Mm.
0: You know, they're, they're not living like princes that I've observed. Mm. And you ask them, I'll tell you.
1: Yeah, frequently.
0: The riders can only pay. I would assume some function of alternate transport, right? So, so they will only pay some pretty tightly bound to function of a taxi or whatever else is in the neighborhood Mm. so we absolutely know we have a cap on our price Mm. and uh, unless we can kill the taxi industry Mm. right that's a potential but then we think well hang on has anyone else entered the space in the last 10 years or actually seven years since i've existed Mm. a couple so, so, so Ola and Lyft, and every mm-hmm. city you go to has a different one. Mm. I'm not saying they'll win or they'll beat them, mm. but you are absolutely capped in the return you'll make. So, who's making the money? Well, no one. So, what are we competing for? Like, mm. what are we providing the capital for? We'll, m- we can maintain a strong argument? It's for the data. So, the data is infinitely valuable. So, but why would our data be, be any more valuable than? Google or Facebook or anyone else. So, so and on and on. Now that is exactly the same kind of thing as people did in radio stocks in the twenties and and you know I rail car stocks in
1: the twenties as well. I, I bet. Yeah.
0: You know there were hundreds of automotive makers mm. in the early part of the twentieth century. Hundreds. Mm.
1: And they boiled down to about five. Yeah. Exactly. Mm.
0: Exactly. So that's the kind of stuff we're observing, and the and the the sort of seductive thing about it is it doesn't feel manic
1: do you think it's so appealing to people because it is appealing as a consumer i find this really interesting yeah, that's this, interesting. Is, yeah. It's, this is a very uh random example we had a teenager staying with us from the uk right. who was about to start oh, Lucky, yeah. yeah yeah we were thrilled and um just living in sydney's got some real downsides and um anyway he's, he's a sweet kid but he wanted to start investing mm. and he told me oh you know about investing i I want to invest in this company. It was based in Norway. I was like, I don't know what the sort of regulatory requirements are for a Brit to invest in Norway. I imagine there might be some issues you have to consider there for a start, yep. plus tax consequences and all those sorts of things. But it was, uh, it's an airline. And all I know is what he told me. So what he told me about the airline is it's much less expensive than all of its competitors in, in order to fly it, yep. but it has vastly better service and much better planes.
0: Right, sounds really safe.
1: And I was like, that sounds fabulous. What's in it for the investor? Yeah. Like, I understand what's in it for the consumer. That sounds fabulous. I would fly with them every day if that's what they do, assuming that they are safe. Um, but as an investor, you are trying to look for something very different to what the customer experience is. If the customer experience is amazing and it's really cheap for the customer, somebody's paying for it. Yeah, right? exactly. And I was I was fascinated yeah. that he'd not quite worked out that there was a relationship between those two things yet. Yeah. Felt like he had a bit more work to do before he put his first yeah. dollar yeah. into the market. But I yeah. feel like many investors take that approach. I love this as a consumer, and yeah. therefore there is value for me in yeah. investing in the company without considering whether or not the company has any material uh, potential to make money. Well,
0: yeah, exactly. it any sort of durable benefit through time. Uh, I, I think the other part of this that's noteworthy is is it is about funding costs. Hmm. So the ability of these businesses to persist is a lot like perhaps the shale industry, where, and, and you know, shale's been around for, oh, you know, people experimenting on shale in the late 60s and early 70s. It's not until you just get a flood of capital that goes in. Um, so, 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 I can't remember the exact number, our oil, oil guy will remind me, but but somewhere north of a trillion dollars, um, and you've, you've never made a return. So, so as an industry that is a, horrible loss making exercise but what does win- winnow out over time is that the good guys will be good enough to do pretty well mm. and you'll learn by doing and you know there'll be areas that are better than others etc etc so, so the good guys in that like EOG and Pioneer or whatever they're, they're good businesses you know they, they really know what they're about and the bad guys have either gone to the wall or you know had the experience of a BHP which you know rushes in and buys it's you know Eagleford and Lafayette stuff and um, I think for twenty billion written down to two, mm. uh, that's the kind of stuff we're looking at, with with the excitement having migrated from the from the oil patch to, to tech. By and large, tech plus consumer, um, and again, it, it it doesn't mean that any of these ideas are inherently stupid, because some of them will work, mm. but every every additional increment is less likely to work. You know, so every additional stock you hold in that area is less likely to work. Every unit of time you hold it henceforth, you know, you're uh, probably multiplying a chance of really coming a gutter. Um, But but people are sort of immune to it. You know, it sort of, it doesn't doesn't register. Done very well. Done
1: very well. Yeah, so you put up a chart. So I did one at the last presentation I gave at the ASX, which was in November, showing the best performing market over the last... Five, ten, and twenty years. I think it was maybe fifteen, I can't remember. And the Nasdaq looks insane, right? Compared to everything else. Yeah, perhaps insane is the correct word to use, but it just strips everything else out.
0: Yeah, but worth noting though, the time um, frame. the time frame, yeah, because uh, if you look at it over uh, 24 years, it looks kind of average.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: right. So it's just taken out its highest. The
1: 24 years is is hard to
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, is is
1: hard to relate to for most people, right? Twenty four years was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Plenty of our investors wouldn't have had a dollar in the market twenty four years ago. Yeah,
0: true, true. But the, I mean, they the, people just must accept that there is a baseline. Mm. You know, no, nothing can grow faster than the world, mm. lest it become the world.
1: Mm. It's, yeah, it's Facebook just, it's, does have a natural love. Uh... Yeah, it's just def, it's just <laughs> definitional, right?
0: Yeah. So, so so you know, there's no magic to any of this stuff. It's you know, it'll just be what it'll be. And, and, and the episodes of, people, of history that people need to know are, uh, you know, if you bought EDS in, you know, 67, 68. So what was EDS? EDS was electric, Electronic Data Systems run by Ross Perot. Oh. Um, he, he was IBM's best salesman. He, he left to found his own thing. He, 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 was, he basically was had this story that we're digitising all of the government's data and mm. we'll do the US and then we'll do the whole world. Mm. What a story, mm. fantastic. So it IPO'd it 107, 108 times. Mm. Um, that plus IBM, plus Westinghouse, plus Lockheed Martin, plus all these mm. you know, nifty 50 stocks, pl- plus a whole bunch of conglomerates that were just you know, buying each other with expensive script for less expensive script and writing it up effectively. Mm. That stuff lost you 80 or 90% of your money mm. by sort of 73. And 66 to 82 made you zero, zero dollars. Mm. So, so please, if you're listening, go and look at a chart and break it into segments. Because I love these idiotic charts over centuries that aren't rebased to a log. Mm. Um, oh, some are. No, some mm. of the better ones are actually they're rebased to log, and it looks like it just always goes up forever. Mm. If you pay some attention yeah, and look is. at it by 20-year increments, so over the sort of Meaningful time frame for most people's existence, there are legions of examples where huge markets go up by zero.
1: Yeah, for lengthy periods. Yeah, so Na- your entire yeah, uh, so investing time frame. Exactly. Right? We tell people that they should, and this is the real challenge of giving people even general advice about investing. You should have a minimum time frame of five years. But your point about the Nasdaq was yeah. after the tech wreck, which was ninety nine two thousand. Yeah. How long to get back to where it started?
0: Well it took fifteen years to get to make a new high and it fell by seventy five percent. And that's yeah. the market, right. That, that and that includes all the heroes who made it.
1: Yeah. So yeah, so yeah. think
0: about the things that went to the wall. So, so
1: if you didn't hold the <coughs> index that's right. and you held some of the that's right. Some of the things that died, that's and right. there were plenty. So in Australia, uh, it's one of the but Australia's a great example. You know, <laughs> yeah, we haven't we haven't taken out our highs of ten years ago. Yeah, this is very true. Yeah. Mm. So so this you've had some gorgeous dividends through that period.
0: Sh- sh- sure, that's a- yeah. absolutely true. We've but you know, but them. you know, if you if you bought you know I don't know BHP or Rio in '07, I, mm. I mean you didn't feel great. Mm. You don't feel great today. Mm. You, you you got your divi, but nothing else. So, so, And this is not unusual. Mm. This, this is the other thing. So Japan's half where it was in 89. Um, you know, um, what else can we think of? So all, all your Europeans are basically at where they were 10 years ago. Mm. This is not unusual, but it feels unusual people whose greatest familiarity is with things that have been wonderful. Mm. And they, they, they cannot fathom the fact that that it might not be moving forward now I just I do want to go back to the funding cost thing right Mm -hmm. because if people are uh, you know acute they will twig to the fact that oh but funding costs aren't going up anytime soon they're probably right Mm -hmm. that's not your issue your issue isn't that interest rates go up it's that interest rates go down and spreads blow out that's called a recession, <laughs> and that happens. <laughs> you know, we we, we can't of, no
1: one in Australia knows. No about one in has had one for twenty eight years, so, so
0: so we've forgotten mm. that they happen. Mm. Um, you know, the Yanks are at ten years and a bit, and that you know that they, they can't believe it. Um, there's real trouble coming when that happens, mm. right? Because we've been lulled into a world of free capital forever. Mm. If you get spreads blowing out in corporate debt markets very large parts of the corporate debt markets will cease to exist.
1: Mm.
0: So it's not that rates go up mm. is your problem, it's that rates fall and available. So when I say spreads blow out, availability becomes a huge issue. So, so at the moment, it's all about growth and income and well, what, you know, how, how much better can it be. Mm. When the proverbial hits the fan, the inverse happens and now it's like, can I get my money back? Mm-hmm. And we're at some point gonna experience that. And so, so why I can say that with some you know, degree of you know, probability being on my side, corporate indebtedness has roughly doubled in 10 years in the States, and the quality of it is appalling. So, so we've gone from in the listed part, so le- leaving alone leverage loans and the stuff that's you know, just really out there, and there's only probably a trillion of that, so it's not the end of the world. That's only 5% of GDP, so that's not gonna kill you. Mm. Um, your, your corporate bond market has gone from roughly five to roughly 10 trillion listed in 10, in 10 years. Um, 10 years ago, that was one third triple um, B. So the bottom of investment grade is always the biggest because you mm. just want to scrape into investment grade, right? Mm. So that's the, that's always the biggest chunk. That's now 53, 54%. So you've gone from five, with a third of it being triple B, mm-hmm. so one, one and a half or something, to 10 ish, actually a bit over nine, of, 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 of tri- with, with three and a third of that being triple B. Mm. So we've more than tripled the triple Bs, <laughs> and half of the triple, well, uh, just on triple, uh, two and a half times the triple Bs, mm. and of that stuff, the reason it's triple B is because I don't have to pay any interest. Are you serious? Yeah, of course. So half.
1: <laughs> i can say of course. So
0: half of the triple B stuff mm. should be non-investment grade, mm. just on a simple gearing measure. Yeah. So debt to EBITDA. So yeah. debt, you know, to a to a to a an earnings measure. Mm. It looks great because you know I've got heaps of. Sorry, sorry, interest to an earnings measure looks great because the interest rate is low, Mm. but the aggregate amount of debt is very high. So debt service is about the same as where it was in 08, with rates that are close to zero,
1: Mm.
0: right? So we're all, again, it's this hurting thing, right? So once you've experienced something for long enough, it becomes normal. We all think that low rates are awesome, so we'll Mm. borrow heaps and buy back stock. Now, why am I raising that in the context of secular growth stuff? that's how they fund themselves Mm. even if they don't directly if i'm sort of a pretty sort of risk seeking sort of character and i can either go and buy a high yield bond or netflix stock tesla stock yeah i'm buying the guy whose business is pretty stable who's got who's blown his brains out by trying to grow his business by making acquisitions and buying back stock and borrowing to do so and then you know, capital availability goes down, they mm. can't borrow, so they have to go down in a, a notch in terms of investment, For that, that fallen angel stuff will shut the market. Mm. So the guy, you know, the new business that wants to come with a great idea, mm. who wants to get funding at Double B, mm. you're gone. No why, why, would I, why would I touch you? I can go and get, you know, I can go and get a thing that I grew up with thinking it was really awesome. That's now, and, and this, none of this is weird. This is just a. This is. It's not imaginary. It's mm. just a credit cycle.
1: Mm. It's an extraordinary credit cycle. Well, well, I'm it going will to be cheer extraordinary. Everybody it's, up it's been extraordinary for,
0: for for this long. Yeah,
1: sorry, Duff. I'm going to cheer everybody up now, right? Because uh, that's fairly depressing. <laughs> it's um. It is. It's very true that there are some astonishing parts of the market, and people are doing some things that you know the average person would have thought was incomprehensible 10 years ago, Uh, but it's happening. But the most exciting part of what you've been talking about is that there's some really high quality stuff that you can buy for next to nothing. And that I think is what is getting missed, right? So people, uh, those who are not buying the secular growth story, they're not buying the high growth stocks, particularly retirees and people who need more security than that, Mm. Uh, they've seen this stuff before and they know what to stay away from. No one's telling the story about what's cheap and where the cool stuff is. So tell that story. That's my tomorrow thing. Yeah.
0: Look. So. So let me. But let me n- n- not be disingenuous and say that, it, that if funding markets shut, mm. then everything falls. Everyone's that, ruined. Well, well no, no, no. But the difference is mm. because people live through a crisis, they equate crisis with a setback, and they forget that you just you just get setbacks all the time. So mm. so markets fall. You know. You know, the Europeans remember this a bit better because you know they can't get out of their own way right so so you know they had the GFC then the euro crisis then brexit then whatever so, so you get all of these setbacks all the time in, in terms of asset prices in the US and largely for Australia since sort of 2014 2015 because of the resources stuff you know picking up it, it feels like everything's just, just sort of smoothly expanding or whatever um, and the counter to that is crisis, because we had one. Mm. But the, the counter to that isn't that. It's just a, it's just a credit cycle. Mm. And so when credit cycles happen, you know, the following things happen. You, you know, banks don't pay dividends, they raise capital. Mm. They don't give you money, they take it back. Mm. Um, their share prices are horrible at the time, and they have to do it at, you know, bad mm. rates of funding. And, and um, house prices go down a bit, and some people go broke, and businesses cease to exist. And you know what? Life continues. Mm. It's totally fine. Mm. Right? It, it, it feels awful at the time. It's actually awful for lots of people. But we don't live in a sort of gold standard world where life expectancy falls and blah, blah, blah. It's not, it's not the end of the world. It, it, it will be fine. So I don't mean to say there won't be. In that event where we just get a normal credit cycle and bankruptcies pick up and, you know, consumer confidence is dented and that, that sort of paradox of thrift thing, where, oh, I don't feel so good about my job, so I'm going to save money. So I'm not going to go out to dinner. Mm. You own a restaurant. So now you have your patrons. So now you feel bad about the world. So you don't buy shoes, mm. et cetera, et cetera. So that happens. We're just herd animals doing dumb stuff, right? So that, that will happen at some point. I've, I think it's pretty, it's pretty imminent, mm. but it might not be. We look like we're in a sort of... We might just be in a sort of 2015-style mild slowdown. Let's assume it's a, a normal credit cycle... Bank funding costs, uh, you know, become a real impasse, and we get a, a normal sort of wave of bankruptcies, and the economy is slow in in the states and here. In that event, stuff like those stocks I just mentioned before, so Samsung, Micron, BMW, they're going to fall a bit. They can probably give back, I don't know, ten or twenty percent or something. The thing is, though, going back to that BMW example, let's say the earnings collapse. Mm. I've got cash on the balance sheet mm-hmm. and I'm priced at a discount to, to equity. So, mm-hmm. so that all of the investment that's gone into the business, less depreciation,
1: mm.
0: I'm, I'm buying that business for less than that.
1: Mm.
0: So can it go from 0.7 of book to 0.1 of book? Mm. I doubt it.
1: Mm. I mean,
0: I really doubt it. Can it go from 0.7 to 0.5? I mean, maybe. Mm. I mean, maybe. But the problem is if I own something like a Beyond Meat, Mm. Can it go from forty-five times sales mm. to one-time sales? Yep. Yeah,
1: one hundred percent. Yeah,
0: like that. That's what you know. Big food purveyors. You know, I don't know, a Conagra or a Tyson Foods or whatever. You know, something like that kind of valuation to sales. So, so I will give back some dough mm. in the event of, in the market. Uh, of a real setback economically. Mm. But let's invert that you know, let's, let's reverse that and say we don't have that kind of event. Mm. The world, you know, so, so more likely than what I'm saying in terms of the world slowing down is U.S. consumers go, oh, you know, I don't care. I'm going to get a, an interest rate cut and, you know, everything's sort of okay and Trump's awesome. So that just sails on mm. and, and everything's sort of fine. I still don't know what the hell Beyond Meat's worth. Mm. So, so, so it's not like, you know, I'm getting some... The asymmetry is huge. Yeah. You know, I can fall 99% and get back to it. Well, it's going to be 95% and get back to an, a sort of average valuation for that kind of thing. Yes. You know, you know a fake meat patty provider. <laughs> or, yes. or I can buy a thing that might fall 15 or 20. Mm. But that will compound at some function of 14. I mean, not forever, because nothing's forever, mm. but for a damn long time. And mm. I can know that. I can really know it. Mm. So... The asymmetry is huge. Mm-hmm. The excitement that must be overcome, though, is very seductive,
1: mm.
0: you know, because it, it's hard to try and tell a millennial that maybe they don't want to own Beyond Meat, have a think about this rusty, mm. you know, old BMW thing. You know, yuck, awful, <laughs>
1: you
0: know, they're gonna hate it. Mm. But but the asymmetry is really massive. So so it's, in, in, it's not like heads you win, tails you lose. Mm. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like I'm being a bit of a smart aleck. Mm. It's just as simple as if I buy stuff that's cheap,
1: yeah.
0: I do do better over time. good quality stuff that's cheap, right? Is, well, even just arithmetically. So, yeah. so if you plot, if you do a scatter diagram of, of, of starting valuation versus versus return, you just know the probability is the cheaper you get, the more you make. Right? That is the farmer and French thing. That's why... Dimensional works, that's why this stuff works in that sort of highly quantitative sort of sense. Normally, it's not working now, by the way, but but normally. Well, and, and I mean over 150
1: years. Your point about the nifty 50 50- years, I think makes it so clear for people, right? There are some very high-quality companies in there, right? IBM is still going. Yep. Uh, General Electric is still going. Yep. Lockheed Martin is still going. Those yep. companies still exist. They survived Chemical and Bank thrived. Chemical Bank of New
0: York ended up within J.P. Morgan. You know, there's, yeah. there's all these things that went somewhere.
1: They survived and thrived. Yep. But back in the 60s, people were happy to pay any price. Any price. To be part of an American company that will do well. Yep. And because they paid any price, they got no return for 15 years, yeah, which exactly. was a bit rough. Exactly. Same story here, right? Netflix might survive. It might be fabulous. And they work out how to make a bucket load of money. And in 30 years' time, if you're still holding it, you might feel quite clever that you picked the one that survived. Exactly. However, yeah, uh, you know, when you're paying these kinds of prices for things, the likelihood of your yeah. having a great run is much lower exactly. than if you're looking at these other things that you would put money on them, surviving. Yeah, exactly. And paying very little. The,
0: the other thing, too, perhaps worth emphasizing is the behaviour of most of the corporate world is, is massively more restrained than it was 10 years ago. Only parts of it are being really pretty pretty excessive. So, so, and that's probably most amply demonstrated by just look at GDP growth. You know, so, so GDP was doing 5.5 real in 07 with a bit of inflation system, so it was kind of almost doing 10. It was doing sort of 9 nominal, that, that's a world that doubles every 10 years. That's pretty good, right? <laughs> that's,
1: that's that's pretty, extraordinary. pretty amazing. Yeah. Now,
0: how can we do all that? We mm. had a massively geared banking system.
1: Mm.
0: You know, so, I, you know, so, so, so investment banks used to be 40 times geared and commercial banks used to be 25 times geared. Mm. Now investment banks are maybe low 20s times geared and commercial banks are 10 to 15 times geared. Mm. Now, what does that matter? If I think about the amount of equity that's in there for the amount of assets, that's what I mean by geared. So mm. one bit of equity for X bits of assets. Mm. If I've got one to 10 or 15, mm. I can take a pretty bad year. Mm. I can take maybe two bad years. If I've got one to 40, mm. I can take like a bad three months yeah. right? before I've got to do something. Stop finding like some like money a, from somewhere. And, 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 and they'll tell you, no, my, my, my core equity tier one ratio is 12%. I don't care, that's a lie. Mm. Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And no mm. one does. Mm. It just goes into the whiz-bangy whiz black boxes and spits out, you know, because mortgages are worth this and deposits are worth that and, mm. you know, I'll wait this by that and, you know, blah, blah, blah.
1: It's crap. Mm.
0: What we do know is that banking systems are massively less geared. Mm. so So that's good. And also there's lots of corporates out there who, because they're being bombarded with negativity about their own business, they feel very cautious. Mm. And it's in those places that are pretty, you know, Pretty beaten up. So if you look at, you know, Japanese industrials or German autos or lots of the shippers or, you know, some of the oil field services guys do have a bit of debt. That's, that's got to be true. And we own you know, a couple of them. But most of these guys are pretty, pretty clean in terms of their balance sheet. Mm. Where the excesses come is where you've got a really sexy growth story. And for some reason, people will provide you funding at very low cost because, yeah, I don't know, SoftBank, Netflix, Tesla. Um, you know some really extraordinary behaviour in those markets. I mean, even even you know the god of gods, Amazon. Mm. Um, they got a lot of they got a lot of external funding, right? So mm. so they lease everything they touch. Mm. They've got a fair bit of um, bonds uh, in there, t- ten or fifteen bill of bonds in there. Um, but the but the really cute thing is they get their funding off their customer. Mm. But what happens if the customer slows down? Mm. So negative working capital works both ways because the moment that it stops growing, you've got to pay them back. And then you need the external financing. So it is it is still external financing. So it all comes back to funding costs. There is this risk in the system that rates go up. That doesn't look like it's going to happen, so we're all getting herded back into the, the secular growth and the safety. But the risk is both ways. If rates go down in the event of a slowdown and you get... Availability becoming the issue, not rate. Then you're gonna you're gonna break yourself both ways. So so much better to have something that's cheap. It'll feel a bit dowdy, you know. It'll it'll it'll, it'll you know it'll mm. feel like your aunt Mildred at school dance. It's not going to be great. I'm not saying this is really sexy stuff here, mm. but you're not going to do your dough. Mm. And and my real fear is people are really going to impair themselves. You know, if if they get carried away from here, henceforth, they're really going to hurt themselves. That, 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 that's what this looks like.
1: Mm. So there will, from the conversation we had, there are explicit takeouts for people, right? Um, One of them would be, be very careful about what you're buying and holding. And that's going to include ETFs and indices. It's going to include particular markets. So if you have broad-based exposure to... A yeah. lot of these things. I mean, yeah. do you want to be more explicit about it? Feel free.
0: I do want to be more explicit about it. Yeah. I mean, so I if mean you, people if just need to be... People so careful as businesses, retail right? Retail so, and the behaviour I see out there is is awful. I mean, it's mm-hmm. frankly awful.
1: So as a retail investor, if we look at what the average retail investor holds in Australia, certainly now trade investors, they're heavily exposed to the ASX. Yep.
0: They're
1: heavily exposed... Um, They do, they're very overweight, the top 10, right, very. Um, Yeah. But the things that they hold at the margin to get their growth are the kinds of things you're talking about. They are moving offshore increasingly, but when they move offshore, they primarily go to the US because they have been looking for the kinds of things you're talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it feels awesome, right? Mm -hmm. So uh,
1: this is over the last three or four years. It's paid off quite well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what are your suggestions to people who are in that situation? Uh, look, It'll I take I, some I, risk off the table.
0: I mean, for most people, the incremental investment should be cash. Oh,
1: that's depressing. I've already got enough cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No,
0: <laughs> I, 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 I really genuinely mm. believe that. You know, mm. uh, unless, you know, this is not the kind of the, this is not the part of the game where, you know, you want to be sending in the reserves. Like, mm. the, the, you know, I, this is not an easy world to navigate, mm. and markets are being very weird. Mm. You know, they they're really deeply behaving strangely. Now, I don't know where that's going to all end up, but let me give you a sense of what I mean. Because on top of all that sort of behavioral stuff, there is a mechanical fact about markets, which mm. is we do not trade with people anymore. Mm. So when we go to buy a stock, let me give you a sense. Mm. When we go to buy a stock in a big liquid market with, with high um, algorithmic trading, so US-Japan, mm. when we want to buy real stock, you know we, we have to fool the algorithms. Because if we do it average over the day or you know, some sort of normal sort of trade instruction. They, they're they all programmed to know that. So, so so we'll get millions of things ahead of us pushing the price up mm. and seeking them to give it back to us because they know, oh, this idiot's trading average over the day. So if you so, want to
1: know a bit more about this, you can read Flash Boys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is Michael Lewis's book about it. Um, exactly. For a person who's not a, a tech buff, that is a very telling story about how the world yeah, is changing.
0: So, so this is embedded in markets as well. Mm. Now... We have to navigate all this strangeness in um, the trade situation, the political situation, et cetera, et cetera. None of that's going to be terrible. Mm. None of that's going to be end of the world. And if markets were universally cheap, it'd mm. be fine. Mm. Like it just it just wouldn't really matter. The, the the fear is is that a highly indebted consumer in Australia, mm. with a huge sort of hugely uncompetitive position in the world, and and very fortunate to have. Pretty high savings mm. if we're in this situation. We're looking to buy stocks overseas. Mm. Is going to sort of replicate that bet mm. and say, yeah, well, I'll just go and buy, you know, the top ten in the US. Mm. So I'm going to get a bit of oil. I'll get Apple, Facebook, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, a whole lot of consumer exposure there. It's the mm. same bet, mm. and it's and it's expensive, mm. and. It, it, it just doesn't make any sense from a diversification perspective at, as a start point. And from a valuation perspective, it, it just makes no sense. You know, it just makes no sense. And, and, and these, you know, the first always becomes worst. Mm. And the worst always becomes first. You know, no, no one remains emperor forever. Because, you know, at the, at the same time you could buy the US market cheap, you could buy the Japanese market on 60 times earnings, at the height of one of the great debt orgies of history. Mm. And do you know what people wanted to do? They wanted to buy the Japanese market. You know, they didn't want to buy, because back then, the story of, you know, so the archetype of that is Michael Keaton's movie, Working Class Man.
1: Mm.
0: You know, because the Japanese were coming in, they were taking over everything, it was all hopeless. If you don't think you're gonna get something like that, at some point, you're wrong. <laughs> cycles are cycles. Mm. You know, we, we, you know we're, we're 10 years out from Armageddon, you know, literally, no, not in future,
1: no, in it's past. Just like, God, okay, big so, cool. so,
0: But no, seriously, we, mm-hmm. we were, so if you hear Tim Geithner, if you hear the guys who dealt with that yeah. stuff, I mean, we were yeah. you know, hours and days away from bread lines across the country for a generation, right? So, so if the payment system doesn't work, if, the, if all that stuff doesn't work, and yet we've forgotten all that, and what we want to do is go and buy Amazon. Mm. I mean, really? That, that's a very strange set of circumstances, but it feels totally normal. And by the way, I totally respect Amazon. I'm not seeking to put any, you know, calumny upon them. They're, <laughs> a, fine, they're a fine business. It's what people want to pay for it that troubles me.
1: Yeah.
0: That's all. And, and so all, all this is trying to get into people is please have an appreciation of cycles mm. and please think through how strange the world is. So if interest rates in Australia today have gone to one, and interest rates in the States are at you know 230 odd at the policy end and 203 at the 10 year. Mm. The world's weird mm. and just be careful. And if you're buying something, you want cash on the balance sheet, you want a business that's existed for 25, 30 years and you know you can actually you know, n- know the management and you know, w- you know have a sense of who these people are. Y- you don't want people who are ripping 100 million bucks out of their equity holders and putting that in their pocket weeks before some pretty ordinary stuff happens in the business that that's what worries me that 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 kind of self-defeating type stuff that people are doing
1: julian you guys produce some really high quality content and you are very explicit about your views which are not necessary i mean you take quite a bit of pleasure i think in putting contrarian views out there
0: we just think what we think you think what you think you like
1: to tell people about it too so where do people go to find out more and to follow your ideas on this stuff? But also keep up to date. You know, you're being very clear about where you think the opportunities lie, where people should stay away. I think that's immensely valuable for people in this market. So where I mean, do people go?
0: I mean, they should just go to our website is fine. Which Let is me important. give you a whole bunch Which of sources. So, so www.platinum.com.au. There's a thing on there called the journal. Mm-hmm. Um, but most particularly, we put a lot of work into our quarterly. So the guys mm-hmm. who run the money, the guys and girls who run the money, write those. And they mm-hmm. really... Put a lot of work into them. Mm. It's it's a sort of like a self critique and a, and an external thing. But look, there's lots of resources out there. Um, so even just on YouTube, you know, you can go and look at the Macro Voices guys, the Real Vision guys, the um, Hedge Eye guys. There's lots of stuff out there, and, it, and it, it be critical. Like it's you know with our content as well as everybody else's. But but but. It, it, it does pay to be pretty informed. And, you know, the, I, my sense is these markets will get tricky and, and people want to be pretty forewarned. Julian, thank you so much for your
1: time today. My pleasure. Thanks very much. uh, That one was going to be quite challenging for a lot of people, I think, and certainly for our investors, there's some stuff in there that you hold that you might want to think about. There are some things you might like to think about selling, Uh, some things you might like to think about buying as well. It is nice to know there is some value to be had in the world. And... uh, even though it's been a fantastic ride for the last 10 years, we'll see uh, we we'll see where it goes from here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. We very much hope it has been helpful for you on your journey to creating wealth. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future topics, we do love hearing from you. So please just email us at yourwealthatnab.com.au. I'm Gemma Dale. Thanks for joining me.
0: Thank you for listening to Your Wealth with Gemma Dale. To stay up to date, please subscribe to this podcast series or email us at yourwealth@nab.com.au. Please note that any advice provided in this podcast has been prepared without taking into account your objectives, financial circumstances or needs. Before acting, you should consider the appropriateness of the information. To find out more, please visit nab.com.au.